Hello and welcome to Nantucket After Dark, where we talk about sex, relationships, love with spirit in the mix. I'm your hostess, Dorothy Stover, the founder of Nantucket Love School. Welcome to the sexual evolution. Let's dive into this week's episode. Hello and welcome back. We are back to Nantucket After Dark. This is season two and we are kicking it off with a very special episode. We're going to talk about blocks to intimacy and actually we're going to talk about the number one block I've seen which is worthiness. And for years I've been working with clients and students regarding love, relationships, sex, and I've noticed through working with clients and students that there's usually at least one of the following intimacy blocks. So spiritual, people-pleasing, worthiness, trust, and sexual shame. And I could spend hours talking about every block, and perhaps I will, but today I wanted to talk about the number one block I see the most, worthiness. So where do I begin? Let us first mention the roots of not feeling worthy, and which leads to that block of worthiness. And that can be abandonment, caregivers or community, feeling critical or being critical, judgmental, society's view on what's worthy for you or for worthy for your gender or your sex. So for instance, for women, oftentimes society has placed a worth around how they look. And for men, their worth can be around the type of job they have, um, the type of money they make. And so worth in reality has nothing to do with any of this. It has nothing to do with who you are, Um, It has nothing to do with the partner that you have or don't have. It has nothing to do with the money you make or how you look. Even what you think of yourself, it doesn't, that's not true worth. And so we are all worthy and we're all worthy. We're all equal in that worth and there's nothing to prove. So I'd love to continue this explanation with a story. A few years ago, I was sitting with a matchmaking client and we She just went on a date, and I think this was her third date, and we were reviewing her date feedback. So after, just to give you a little background, so after each date, after each date, each person fills out their feedback, how they, their experience about the date, their experience about, you know, every little detail. And so we go into that feedback, and so I'll have a conversation with the person that my client goes on a date with, and then I'll have a a client conversation as well. And so this is great because I was able to meet with the person that she went on a date with and get the feedback and see what their experience was and then meet with her and see what her experience was. And she had an awesome time on, on the date, which was great. She felt connected to the guy that I set her up with. Um, it was great to have that connection. It was also great because it had been a struggle. The other two dates that I set her up on, it just wasn't working. She didn't feel the connection. Um, not even friendship. And so there's a lot of pressure to put people on dates where um, there's an expectation that clients often have, and which makes sense. So this guy in particular that she did go on a date with, he unfortunately didn't want to go on a second date with her because he felt she had a wall up. He felt she was very distant and superficial. And he said that she told me nothing about herself, that it was only about brunch places and places she liked to go or things she liked to buy or other surface stuff. And so I let her know that, you know, I didn't go into detail of the things he said, but I just let her know, hey, he's looking for a deeper connection. 
looking for something who who's able to go deeper in conversation with him. He felt it was more surface than deep. And she became really upset by this, which is understandable. Just to give you a background, clients do pay a lot of money for matchmaking services. And it's incredible to show up to a date and not have to find this person and not have to screen them and to know that there's qualities that you're looking for already. And so there ends up being a lot of pressure because there's money spent. There ends up being a lot of pressure put on the date to work out. I just want to make a little side note that I suggest. Um, I find that women tend to put more pressure on themselves and the dates to go right when working with a matchmaker. And this could be very true also with not even working with a matchmaker, that a lot of women show up and they're hoping that this is the one. And I've seen this for all genders, but I'm just noticing from my matchmaking experiences that there's so much pressure. And I find that men were able to enjoy the process. You know, they showed up, they thought it was great, they met a great person, and they were very open, where women were showing up and looking for forever, which is great. I do find it can be inhibiting because people can feel that energy. And so a lot of people that can scare a lot of people away. So typically, I actually prefer for males to be matchmaking clients and females to show up to dates, they get matched. And that's for heterosexual relationships. Just if we're talking from that standpoint. And so maybe the real hot tip here is if you're working with a matchmaker and you're putting the value and expectations into the date for finding that forever partner to maybe think carefully about actually finding a matchmaker. Because if you're not there to enjoy the process and to learn more about yourself and to meet different people, if you're going there to find your forever partner, which is wonderful, it's a great way to meet someone, it if you have your expectations, expectations will ruin things. And also the energy going through is just way too much pressure on yourself, on your date, on your matchmaker. So highly suggest going in with that very open mind, very open heart, and not trying to get caught up in the forever partner, but learning more about yourself and meeting new people. So that was the sidebar. Now let's get back to it. So back to my client, She had put so much pressure on herself, on me, on the person sitting across from her that she forgot to enjoy the process. And part of the process with dating, it brings stuff up, right? So dating and relationships are fantastic. We're trying to become our best selves. And you can learn so much even just from one date about yourself. And so if you are part of that process of learning more about yourself and learning about someone else and and being interested in other people then it becomes a very enjoyable experience, even the hard stuff. So the stuff we don't like about ourselves can come up. There's always room for growth. And so if we're open to that, then we're going to really enjoy the whole process of dating. And in this instances of being a matchmaker and having the opportunity to have both sides of the feedback, uh, I was definitely in a particular beneficial position to support both people knowing how someone is perceived and perhaps the areas that they can improve while dating, which is great. We, how often do we get feedback after a date and we're like, what went wrong? I really want to know. 
And so if there's something that went wrong that my client can change, I often would share. Or if, say, my client said something about somebody else that they run on a date with, if they can change it. Otherwise, sometimes if it came down to, say, like physical appearance, if it came down to, um, you know, how much money they made or the job that they had, if it was anything materialistic. And so I consider that like the physical and jobs and things like that money. Um, that all to me is physical or just surface level. So those are things you can't necessarily change. Um, and it doesn't really make up the person, but if their values are different or if they mention a value that, or a value or a belief, or maybe something, for instance, there was one particular date couple I set up where they had a lot to drink. They both did. And so just sharing that for future dates because they crossed the line in a few different ways and it ended up being quite an interesting situation. I typically don't say to drink on on dates, a max of two drinks, but really get out of there after the first drink and um, or switch to something else like water. So when we were talking about this, you know, I'm sharing with her that he doesn't want to go on the second date. And that always is heartbreaking to share because someone is sitting there and they're so excited. They had a great time. They felt a connection. And it's like, finally, after going on date after date after date, feeling connected to someone. So your hopes are high. And so I totally get why it would be very frustrating and very upsetting. And so in this instance, um, you know, I shared with her that he felt she wasn't being vulnerable enough. And now just another side note, we don't want to overshare on a first date, right? But we also need to show our hearts and who we are. I do find that's extremely important not to have a mask, not to hide behind something that you're not, but to show up who you are because it's better for someone to find out right away if you hold certain beliefs or you're a certain type of person than to 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 not and to not be your true self. And so the right person's always going to feel connected to us, even if they maybe are like, okay, I'm gonna take it slowly. But the right person, they're always going to feel some form of connection and pursue something. In this particular instance, you know, to spark that intimacy and connection, we need vulnerability. So it's not only this, but in in every area of our lives, we do need vulnerability. And that is what leads to growth. That is what leads to connection. And as we spoke more about this, we figured at the root of her not being vulnerable was because she didn't feel worthy of being in a relationship. Her father had left when she was younger. She And he started a whole separate family and spent pretty much all his time with them. And so she never saw him. And so she felt abandoned. And as a child, her mother was in and out of relationships after the divorce. And was the mother was so concerned on how the mother looked. Client was about a preteen teenager. Her mother started on focusing on my client's looks. She would say things like, if you want to find a good husband, you need to fix your hair. Or if you are, you're starting to gain weight. So you should start exercising and maybe not so eat so much. And, you know, oh, men want someone smart. And so her mother was trying to help, but it was coming from a place, right? It was coming from that place where she didn't want the daughter to make the same mistakes as she did. And so she was nitpicking, she was being critical. And so her mother 
also felt abandoned, right? Also felt abandoned by the father and was trying to negate her daughter having the same situation. So she thought, okay, if you are beautiful, if you're smart, then you won't have any of the problems that I had. So my client began to internalize this, right? Because your caregivers, your community, anyone in your community, anyone your caregivers starts to nitpick or criticize you or judge you as a teenager, as a young child. Um, for women, that starts the age of like eight years old, we really start to internalize things. So all of that affects our self-esteem. All of that affects, you know, future relationships and feeling worthy of relationships. And my client, as she internalized this worth and her ability to have a partner and her ability to keep a partner because she felt she really wasn't able to have like a steady relationship. It was always felt very If she was in a relationship, it felt like give and take or someone wasn't emotionally available. Not a great situation that she's had in past experiences. She felt she also could never quite live up to other people's expectations. And so remember when I said expectations ruin things? Even if we think someone else has an expectation of us, that can ruin it. So guess what? It works both ways. Expectations have we have for ourselves and expectations we have for others, it acts as a repellent. And soon in this case, the expectations that she had that were not met, where she felt she couldn't rise up to, made her feel unworthy. And feeling unworthy doesn't allow us to be vulnerable because if we are vulnerable with someone, they might see or might figure out, right, that we've been hiding behind something that says we're worthy, but we actually feel we're not deserving of it. And that if they figure that out, they may leave us, which just begins a cycle of unworthiness all over again on just feeling that abandonment. So we over deliver or we will be anxious or we'll not show up or we'll judge them or, or maybe we even put them down first, right? We like get into fights, pick fights, just so maybe they can prove us right. Um, or that we'll get into a fight so hopefully they'll choose us, right? Because a big part of this, that abandonment, is we're looking for someone to choose us. And so if someone chooses us, right, then we're worthy and we have a lot of that outside validation. Whatever happens, we end up keeping it arm's length and maybe even more, right? Because if we don't, if they don't see the real us, then maybe they'll still choose us and maybe they'll still love us. And if they love us, maybe we'll feel worthy of having their love. And because right now we don't feel worthy of love, just as we are, and we are afraid someone will leave us and we'll be alone. So in truth, there is an element that someone loving us, right, can give a sense of worth and that can help to repair that unworthiness. It certainly can. It's incredible when Someone loves you unconditionally, and that really does help to repair your self-worth. It is not the cure, though. It is a part of it. It can be an incredible healing solve, but it is not the cure. And outside validation can't be the only source of healing, can't be the only source of validation. In fact, it won't be. If you're really looking for those long-term goals, if you're really looking for deeper connection, if you're really looking to feel worthy in your own body, worthy that your love is worthy, then outside validation is just not going to work. And so it it can be beneficial for sure, but it's not the cure. It's really worth 
tuning in and figuring out your own path. And I'm going to share that in a little bit. But first, I want to go into something that helps me. And what I'm about to share, it's not for everyone. And that's okay. But it may give some people comfort. And what I'm about to say may resonate. It could resonate with you. If it doesn't, you know, you can leave whatever you don't like and leave it on the table. But for me, I found my connection with God and to feel God's love for me to be the most healing when it comes to self-worth. Also knowing God made me beautiful and equal to all living things, meaning you and I are equals. It doesn't matter who you are or who I am. We are equals. And I may be the worst human being to walk this planet ever, right? Or maybe you are, and it doesn't matter in God's eyes. God loves us just as we are and equally. Now, our human brains have trouble with this concept, right? Because we don't see things equally when we're really coming from that space in our human concepts, human eyes, human mind, um, because we do put value. We put value on love and we put value on others and the love of others. And we have conditions for love. We have conditions for someone to love us. We have conditions for someone to be loved by us. And I would even venture that that's not actual love. So when I feel God's love, and I do every time I channel, I do every time I'm in prayer or meditation, or whenever I'm fully present in the moment with my, say, my pleasure practice, I feel God's love fully. There is no judgment. There are no conditions for God's love. And so when you're coming from, when I'm coming from that place where I just feel God's love completely, no judgment, I can offer that to other people because if I'm able to go there for myself, then I can offer that to other people. If we notice that we're not able to offer the non-judgment, if we have conditions, then we most likely have a worthiness block to intimacy. This supports me in knowing I am loved in God's eyes. So if someone is mean to me, rejects me, or says something hurtful, I often don't feel it because I know who I am in the eyes of God and who we all are. So the worthiness intimacy block can keep us from pleasure in life as well, can can keep us from pleasure in our bodies. And I want to make sure I touch base on this because we are all, whenever we're romantic with our partner or we want to feel worthy of pleasure, sometimes that intimacy block of worthiness keeps us from pleasure. Or maybe we don't pursue love or connection because we don't feel worthy of that pleasure. We don't feel worthy of that connection. And we cut short that, that those wonderful things that really God wants for us. And I do believe pleasure is your birthright. I believe pleasure is everyone's birthright. It is not a bad thing to want pleasure or to experience pleasure I do believe everything in moderation and when you're grounded in pleasure, when you're grounded in your body and have those embodiment practices, pleasure is a different experience than say, um, going when you're feeling overboard, it feels very healing. And so we're all worthy of feeling good in our bodies and feeling pleasure. And in fact, our bodies aren't designed for pleasure, not just the genitals, the whole body is a sex organ. There are 30 plus different ways to experience an orgasm, okay? So many of them have nothing to do with the genitals. It's fantastic. That's a great area you want to play down. Like, go for it. But many of the ways to experience pleasure have to do with the mind. That's one of the most incredible sex organs we have is the mind. And the body is just one complete sex organ, depending on 
how you want to use it that day. Major keys to intimacy is feeling worthy of pleasure, being worthy, feeling worthy of being loved for who you are. So I want to make sure I go into that and just wanted to make sure I mention this because pleasure is your birthright. You are worthy of pleasure and to experience pleasure and to allow yourself to receive pleasure and to give pleasure. It's such a beautiful thing. It's really part of the human experience. And so I want to get into that. And I, I have a couple of three just the tips for you this week. Number one, if you are feeling that worthiness intimacy block resonates with you, then I have some love work for you. And I, so I have three things that I'll get into. But first, let's do some love work. And this week, be mindful of your surroundings. So no judgment, just being mindful. Mindful of social media feed, mindful of how you're feeling in your body, mindful of life, like who you have around you. Are you feeling inspired? Or does someone maybe feel, let you down or make you feel down? Notice who's, who you're surrounding yourself with and what you're looking at, what you're watching. And just notice, you don't have to make judgments, but notice and perhaps maybe even say you're watching a show and you just feel that tinge in your body where you all of a sudden just don't feel worthy or maybe you feel insecure about yourself start to notice and that could be something where you're like all right I don't need to watch this right now or maybe my feed has a bunch of people that are filtered out and starting to make me feel really insecure okay well I don't need to follow these people or I don't need to be on social media right now and then go and care for yourself however that looks like We're looking to just notice without judgment, and we can make changes, but we're looking to notice because all of that plays, all of our outside self and world plays a part, and then we can bring that back in. And so I'm asking you to keep a journal, notice what comes up for you, notice how you feel in your body, what are the circumstances around what you're feeling in your body. And so notice if maybe any changes, any anything where you're like, you notice, okay, I'm ready to make this change. And also make notes of things you come across that inspire you, that make you feel really good and remind you of what worth really is. And notice any actions by others too, or maybe actions by yourself where you're like, whoa, okay, I felt very powerful, very in my body. I felt very worthy of being in the room with other people. I felt very worthy of being in the space. I felt worthy of pleasure, of enjoying myself and lean into those moments because worthiness is a muscle. It's a practice as well. So the more you exercise it, the stronger it gets until someday you barely even notice you're making it, you're doing anything. You're just, it's so strong, you're so capable, and it becomes second nature. And another part when it comes to judging and being critical of ourselves or of other people, when we're judging, when we're critical, we are not loving them. And so I like to come back to the five second rule. And the five second rule is if someone can't change it in five seconds, you don't need to comment, right? So sometimes someone does need to be called out or called in on behavior and we can do it in a loving way so that someone feels secure and that's something that's done in private. Um, Other times, you know, say we show up with a friend to go out to dinner and they have something in their teeth. Well, that will take five seconds to fix. But let's say that we show up to dinner and they are wearing an outfit that we don't think looks that great on them. Well, we don't need to say anything. You don't need to necessarily lie to them, but 
you don't need to say that they don't look good, right? Like, if they can't change it in five seconds, then you don't need to say it. What this does, and this happens to ourselves as well, if we can't change something in five seconds, then see if you can let that go. No judgment. Send send love no matter what. So have compassion for yourself. Have compassion for others. And all these steps lack like building blocks and muscle memory. So now number two, if you want to discover your own intimacy block, I've created something very special for you. It's a 10 minute quiz to help discover your top intimacy block. Fun to do. I love quizzes. And so make sure I'll leave a link in the show notes so you can check that out. And the last tip of worthiness is in the Sacred Sexual Soul series. So we dive into healing blocks and emotions that are trapped in the body that are keeping you from intimacy, connection with your body, connection with your partner, and we use pleasure to do it. It's incredible. So what ends up happening is we can view our body in the mirror with love instead of avoiding the mirror. We can, when you're using these pleasure practices, when you're getting deep into your body, you're using a lot of the practices inside the Sacred Sexual Soul series, you're getting out of your head and you're able to experience great pleasure and connection with yourself and with your partner. I'll leave a link for that in the show notes as well. So I thank you so much for spending this time with me. We covered quite a bit. And if you have any questions, reach on out. And if you want more on the different intimacy blocks, let me know. Peace, love and hugs. Bye for now. I am sending you so much love. And if you're feeling the love, I would love to ask you a favor. Please share this podcast with your community. It's super simple and takes less than a minute, but will help me create more content like this and help other people and spread that love. Here's a fun, easy way to do it. Take a screenshot and tag me at Dorothy D. Stover right on over on Instagram. It's a win-win because I'll make sure to share you with my community as well. Plus, when you tag me, I'll send you a free gift because I like to do my best with spreading love around the world. Thank you for helping me do so. Until next time, peace, love, and hugs. Bye for now.